Hey guys, it's Patrick. Tim, Kevin, and I recorded a bunch of podcasts last year, and then I got this crazy idea to travel the country for a couple months, so unfortunately, they never got completed. But we decided to go ahead and post these anyways, so you could hear how we started out and see where some of our segments, like Tim's crazy internet theories, came from. What you have here is the very first episode when we really didn't know what we were doing, featuring a guest appearance from Kevin's wife, Brittany, an interview with Chris Siegel from the Star Wars Underworld, my co-host on Geek Radio, as well as a barbecue going on in the background, tons of technical difficulties, and a baby crying. So don't judge us too hard. We were just figuring things out. But please enjoy the first episode of Radio Free Metal. Listen, Duchess. Do you hear the people? They cry out for change. Your weak-minded rule of Mandalore is at an end. The resurrection of our warrior past is about to begin. I am the Duchess of Mandalore. Your actions will bring our civilization to ruin. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. My only true loyalty is to Mandalore. Too bad our people can't stop fighting each other. You're dealing with the Mandalorians now, child. Not some Imperial officer fresh out of the Academy. I'm not planning on dying. Little Mandalorian. So proud. And tough, I think. We shall see. You are listening to Radio Free Mandalore, news, reviews, and occasional interviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick, and I'm joined by my co-hosts... Tim. Kevin. And Brittany. Today we're going to be covering Star Wars news from the month of July, including all of the news that came out of Celebration and Comic-Con, including the Celebration Rogue One behind-the-scenes reel. Did you guys see it? What'd you think? It's amazing. I think you summed it up in one word. (laughs) I want more Forrest Whitaker. That's what I think. I loved his character in Clone Wars. That was amazing. Sister died. He's still fighting the good fight. It's good to see 30 years later he's still going. But uh, it looks beautiful. It looks visually stunning. Uh, the stormtroopers coming out of the water was crazy looking. I didn't I didn't know that those... Um, the armor is waterproof. <laughs> yeah. They've got sake, <laughs> sake boxers under there. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I I would like to see more Darth Vader. Um, that would have been uh, awesome, since we know he will be in the new movie. Just a little tease, though. I know, I know. Just a little tickle. Yeah. So there was a second video shown at Celebration just for the people that attended, and it did end with Darth Vader. But I guess we, since we didn't go, we have to wait for that. Yeah, couldn't plan that trip to Europe. Couldn't plan that trip to Anaheim if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> what else happened at Celebration? So the first panel at Celebration Europe was the Rogue One panel. And then in addition to showing the Celebration reel, they had the entire cast come out, uh, including Ben Mendelsohn, who came out in character as Director Krennic. I think that is amazing casting. I did see, I saw a quick clip of him coming out. And you can kind of, I mean, I wasn't there, obviously, but just seeing the video online, you could feel the kind of power that he's able to portray just by wearing that cloak. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. At my job, my place of business, we were all 
huddled around computers watching it and you can hear like a collective scream when he came out it was kind of funny we get no work done but i get to watch star wars all day yeah see i get yelled at at my job if i'm doing that so i was huddled in the bathroom <laughs> in the stall not doing anything just with headphones on looking at stuff coming out, but... meanwhile your coworkers knocking on a yeah. stall they're like, oh you almost done <laughs> no go away <laughs> So I just stayed home and live streamed it until it was over. <laughs> then I went to work. It made it much easier. So we didn't get a trailer, but the people there did. On the second day of Celebration, though, they did show a trailer for the next season of Rebels. And Tim, you, you watched Clone Wars, and I know you haven't caught up on Rebels yet, but what did you think of the Rebels trailer? It's very, very interesting. Again, not having seen season one and two, seeing the season three trailer is very interesting because it makes me want to go back and see season one and two of Rebels. Um, but seeing... Mandalorians, seeing Darth Maul, uh, seeing some sort of collusion between potential dark and light sides of the forces is always interesting to me. Uh, there was a couple episodes in Clone Wars that, that really touched on that, on how the dark and the light really, they're same, you know, same sides of the coin. And people can go between the two, if you will. And there's a line in the, in the trailer talking about basically, I'm not going gonna, gonna to paraphrase, of course, but basically talking about kind of touching the dark side and, and not being sucked into it, but utilizing its power for a quick moment. So it's kind of interesting to see how those characters are going to kind of portray that and how they're going to come out and what that, that craziness is going to take. Um, and then seeing Grand Admiral Thrawn, who I've only ever heard of, but didn't, to be able to visually see him and to have an amazing actor portray that voice who could easily portray him in any kind of spinoff movie with you know simple makeup who has this kind of creepy dead eye stare that i think thrawn has it's uh it's definitely looking like a fantastic season three the third day of celebration they had a, a panel on future filmmakers and they finally officially announced the the actor that'll be playing han solo in the han solo anthology film or in han solo a star wars story as it's probably going to be called and that's going to be alden ehrenreich who it had been rumored for quite some time but this was the official announcement what do you guys think about that casting uh me personally, in the untitled Han Solo Star Wars anthology film, which I, I truthfully just hope they just call it Han Solo. Let's be upfront. Do you really need to call it anymore? Um, that's going to draw in enough enough ticket sales, I think, by itself. But I, truthfully, I don't really know this guy, um, which is a good and a bad thing. But he just looks so young to me. I think that was like that was the the whole point of casting him. He's unknown. No, it's I, cheaper I, for the studio to uh, totally, hire someone. Totally understand that. It's just, as far as the aesthetic of him, I don't know. I'm hoping he does really well. Uh, I'm just looking him up, and he was in Hail Caesar, which I thought was a, a great movie. Mm -hmm. He definitely has a, he has the ability to have a kind of a more rugged look to him, a little bit of scruff. So I think you put him in that, uh, that Han outfit, put a blaster in his hand, he might be able to do it. But... He seems too young for me, so I, I don't know. There's no info out on when this movie's coming out or when in the universe it's coming out. So is he supposed to be 16? Is he supposed to be 24? I don't know. I guess this kid could play either, and that's kind of the scary thing to me is are they how young are they going to make him? Well, I think he also can grow into the into the, the role also. Like, I don't know where in, like, what time they're going to start or the first movie is going to come out. Because I think they're going to do... I heard a rumor, I don't know if this is true, that they're thinking of doing sequels to I've, Han Solo. I've heard that as well. So 
it's not it's not an anthology standalone. It's the start of a trilogy for Han by himself. Yeah. Which I don't know. I, that that sounds a little too much to me. So what I think they did is pretty standard. They just had him sign a contract for three films. Well, wait a second. We're mm-hmm. picking up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, she doesn't like it either. She's like, three no, films? No, no, no. And, and she was, because she's mad because she wanted Dave Franco to get the uh, role. No one wanted Dave been... Franco <laughs> to get the role. I, I absolutely love Dave Franco. Dave Franco, but... yeah, Dave Franco was, was being considered at one point. He, he, he auditioned, but I don't, I mean, I don't know how serious it was, but yeah, he did audition. It was like Dave Franco from Neighbors. Yeah, Dave Franco oh. from Neighbors. Yes. <laughs> oh. That Dave Franco. Yes. <laughs> or Now You See Me, Now You See Me too which he's fantastic and i love dave franco when i heard that rumor too i'm like no please dear it's God, the voice he i don't think he can do the haunt voice yeah he i also very really distinctive see him. voice he's much better in comedies true maybe yeah. even slight action films but a serious movie which i think this is going to be it needs to be there needs to be a serious tone to any anthology film to me i think it's gonna have to have a, co- a combination of both because han had the serious and the humor aspect sure. to, his, to his character. You know, I think if it wasn't for Han Solo in Episode Seven, there wouldn't really be that much of a lightheartedness to the movie. Yes, I mean I can see that. Definitely, he was to me the heart of that movie. Mm-hmm. He was the heart of Episode Seven. Um, spoilers if you haven't seen Episode Seven, that heart gets ripped out, and you definitely feel that from him. But you could definitely look back on him as a youngster and say he was a, you know, he was a. a a live wire. He was a, a spitfire, whatever you want to call him. He was a rebel in his own sense. But Dave Franco to me is just pure comedy. I want somebody that can also have some range. I don't know if Dave Franco has range. He also doesn't look like the part. He doesn't look the part to me. He's just a young buck. Yeah, dude, but, yeah. But sometimes okay. you know people surprise you. I mean, look at some comedic actors in the past. Jim Carrey. You know, funny man, but great in like drama roles and stuff like that. That's because his mind is twisted. <laughs> Will Ferrell, you know, is again. Yeah, <laughs> and I like how we just went on this like really random top, uh, tangent about. That's okay. <laughs> There's no problem. Yeah. yeah, he's he's attached to it somehow. So yeah. So yeah, they they did announce that that he signed for three films, but that doesn't necessarily mean there'll be three Han Solo films. Um, some people were speculating that meant that he would show up. In Rogue One, but then it was later revealed that he would not be in Rogue One, uh, nor would Hayden Christensen. Oh, Christ almighty. But again, this still doesn't necessarily mean three Han Solo films, because if they do uh, a Boba Fett spinoff film, which has been rumored, it's very possible you could see Han Solo in that film as well. I mean, look, I'm going to say something that, that I bet many Star Wars fans are going to crucify me for saying, but do we need a Boba Fett spinoff? Well, he, what, had, what, what, he had four words... Four lines of dialogue and less time on camera than, you know, Big Pile of Voodoo. And yet he's the most amazing character in the world. Like, I, I like the character. I think you could do some amazing things with them. But I would much rather send, see an Obi-Wan Kenobi spinoff and have, what's his name? Have Ewan McGregor come <laughs> back on. I love him. I don't know why I forgot his name. Have Ewan McGregor come back and do a spinoff there than have a Boba Fett and and then are you going to recast Boba Fett because it's already been established what Boba Fett is going to look like well it doesn't necessarily mean he has to take the helmet off during the film absolutely true you could do a new Judge Dredd kind of movie where he never takes it off you never see his face Mm -hmm. at that part I mean that's about to turn off into another tangent but I don't know if I want to see just a mercenary for an hour and a half 
I want to see that personal side to him. So I want the helmet to come off. But at that point, you have to recast, right? And when you recast, how do you recast without pissing people off, ultimately? Well, it's a new canon, new universe, so you never know. If you use that as your... I, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate right now. I, I can care less one way or the other. Like you better not start using that for everything you have to say. <laughs> so there were some other news that came out during July that wasn't necessarily around celebration, but the uh, George Lucas announced that his museum would not be opening in Chicago as planned. So um, Brittany and I were just in Chicago a couple weeks ago and uh, kind of saw where the proposed uh, museum was supposed to go. And it's supposed to go on public land right on the shoreline of Lake Michigan. Well, uh, there was a group of individuals, like a nonprofit, known as Friends of the Parks, and they opposed the, the plan. So pretty much the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, uh, pretty much told George Lucas you can have the land. Um, the land actually sits just directly south of the United Center and um, Soldier Field. And right now, currently, it's a parking lot, which is, a, in my opinion, to take away parking in downtown Chicago is horrendous. It is horrible to park there. It's horrible to drive there. Um, Uber is a way to go, but parking already down there is a premium. You know, when we go down there, we pay um, $25, $30 to park, you know, in that area. So, you know, when you think about it also when it's sports season and when the Bears are playing or when the Bulls are playing, you're taking away a huge chunk of parking away from um, people uh i don't i don't think it's a great idea um and i kind of side with the friends of the park saying that it's public land let the public decide what they want to do with it don't let government officials come in and dictate what it should be without having say of what's going on uh starts getting a little too political but you know that's what it is so uh, because of that and you know there was a lawsuit thrown at 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 um i believe it was lucas it was was uh and the city were had a lawsuit from friends of the park. Now George Lucas is actually withdrawing out of his museum out of Chicago and looking to bring it here in California. Nice. Um, but we don't know where it's going to be. Um, he said L.A., San Francisco. However, is he going to come up to the same? Is is it going to come down to the same problem that we're having that he had out there? There's no land out here in L.A. to put something like that. The same thing with San Francisco. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. My advice to him, like if you ever listen, just buy land and build something. You know, <laughs> don't don't let public, you know, don't don't buy public land or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that. Well, I mean, when people say L.A., mm-hmm. what does that mean? Like, if it, you're talking downtown L.A., of course, I don't think there's any room down there, but. Or even San Francisco. You know, you can go out into the Bay. Some people consider Oakland San Francisco, which is you know, fucking retarded, but some people do. So you can go up there where there there is some land. There's some land you could take and do it near a metropolitan area, but make it a journey. You know, make it something like you know, going to Legoland for the day. You go away from a metropolitan area where you could fly into to go out there and make it a spectacle. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to fly into L.A. to go to Six Flags, people do that all the time. Still, a forty-five minute drive to Six Flags, absolutely worth it. Yeah, which... And if you were to do a museum like that, where it's you know 30, 40 minutes from a downtown area or a major area, that's fine. I, I personally, I've been downtown Chicago. I wouldn't want to go down there again. I, I <laughs> didn't enjoy it. It's it's packed as hell. Same for downtown LA. I don't think you need to go into a downtown area to have a draw. 
it's it's Star Wars. You have people that will if he if Lucas did tours on a regular basis of Skywalker Ranch, he'd make another hundred million dollars. You know, people would come in droves if they were allowed to do it on a regular basis. So it's the same thing. You set it up somewhere that is near a metropolitan area where you can get a cheap cost to do it. People will come. You build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Especially in LA, we drive everywhere. But I think the the downside, though, if he does leave the metropolitan area to build his the museum, I think they're gonna have to change the architecture style of of what they propose in Chicago. I don't know if what he had planned is gonna change now that they're moving to California. But I mean, it was beautiful. It was amazing. It looked it looked awesome. Um, and I think that was the point to have it in the metropolitan area to have a contrast between what his Museum look like against the backdrop of the downtown skyline. Um, now it's kind of funny. Like when I think of him bringing out to LA, I think of him like maybe going out to like Simi Valley or something like that, having land out there, buying land out there, and putting his museum. I just don't think that the concept that they have right now for what it's supposed to look like is going to go well out there in the rolling hills. You know, I think of like the um, Reagan Library. You know, it's perfect out there, I, but I don't think like a big white building that's supposed to represent volcanoes is going to look well out there but we'll see we'll see what happens i think this is going to be something that's going to probably take a long time it's going to probably be a while before we see anything you never know what that a new design could look like though yeah it looks great now they can come out with something that just you know they bid it out they have some new designers come in and all of a sudden yeah you you know you thought it was a 10 before and it was really a, a six or something like that and they just blow you away even further by expanding it or making it even to its not conforming to an existing space, but making their own space for themselves. So. Yeah. Plus, it, 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 you know, my opinion when he announced he was going to go to Chicago, I was a little disappointed in it because why Chicago? Like, why do you have to have it in Chicago? Like, it doesn't make sense. There's nothing Lucas films, and, and my wife is <laughs> There's like, There's nothing good there. in Chicago. No, that's what not, you're saying. No, right? it's I'm not. It's, I completely yeah. agree with you. Except okay, for the, only, the, only good, the only good part about Chicago is the food, really. But. This is the airport getting the fuck out of yeah, there. Yeah, the airport and <laughs> yeah, get, even go, get into that airport is, is a disaster, but that's a different time, different place. But, well, it says he selected Chicago initially because that's where him and his wife live part time. The whole, like, <laughs> the whole, like, Lucasfilms was developed in California. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Why why get out of California? Why not stay to your roots? Like, when you think well, of. Well, it absolutely Luke, makes sense to keep it in here. Keep, keep it in Cali somewhere. Yeah, yeah, because Lucasfilms was, is in California. Skywalker sounds in California, like every you know, yeah. So, Disney, Disneyland, <laughs> yeah, Disney, Disneyland. Everything that's yeah. associated yeah. with this here. Yeah, there we go. We'll just buy up some uh, land in Burbank and just have a build it up there. There we go. So another article I saw come out in the last month was pretty interesting, and the internet kind of melted down when it came out. Samuel Jackson believes that Mace Windu is still alive. Tim, what do you think about that? I love the idea of Sam Jackson coming back. I love the idea of Mace Windu being alive. I mean, look, in in the history of... Let me back up for a second. In the history of 1, 2, 3, which we'll consider the prequels, right? They they show Jedi doing these amazing things. Jumping from tall buildings. Landing from gigantic heights. And when he gets his arm cut off and forced lightning slash pushed out of the window... You don't see him smack the curb. You don't see him die. You see him fly out into a cityscape. 
He could have easily jumped onto a car. He could have easily been caught by someone uh, or used his powers to somehow stay alive. So I love the idea of him still being alive. Uh, actually, going back to something that we talked about or that I talked about earlier um, is dealing with you know a potential spinoff movie that I would personally love to see is kind of a, a Ben Kenobi movie between three and four. You know, what the hell did he do on Tatooine for all those years? Well, who says he was on Tatooine for all those years? And the Jedi were running. And, and there's never been a definitive answer on how many survived or who would be considered a Jedi or where they all went if, if they did survive. So the idea of him coming back, potentially teaming up. I mean, I, I just, in my mind, as stupid as it sounds, I'm thinking about a buddy cop movie. With Mace Windu and Obi-Wan riding around in a speeder, <laughs> just distraught and, oh God, our order is gone. What are we going to do with our lives? Let's be sheriffs in the old Wild Wild West on Tatooine. Something stupid like that, right? Will Mace just, Windu at any point say, I'm getting too old for this? God, I hope so. I mean, why <laughs> would he? I mean, you can give him, you know, give him a new hand. <clears throat> give him the ability... Give him. I like the idea of a broken down Mace Windu, who's given up on the Force, and Ben Kenobi has to bring him back. I always felt like Ben Kenobi was just just a guiding light throughout the series. So if you have something like that, where he hears about a Jedi in trouble, he hears about a Jedi starting fights or something like that, and he, he goes to to help, and you find out it's Mace Windu, and he's missing a hand. And he's drunk or something like that. And think about Samuel Jackson yelling. That's what he does best, you know. It, it just would be an amazing sight to me. And bringing him back in that kind of redemption movie. Um, and then tie it in. Even if it's for you know, 30 minutes out of a 90 minute movie. That would just be fantastic to me. Um, the simple fact for me is you've never seen him die. He believes he's still alive. Sam, Sam Jackson believes he's still alive. Lucas has confirmed that. We never see Mace die. He could be alive. Granted, he's not associated with the projects anymore. But just the idea that the original creator didn't write him off, to me, means you could bring him back. You, know, you could have him into something. I think it's plausible. I think it's a good idea if they if they decide to have some kind of spinoff and tell like a continuation of the story. Um, you know, it, it it just yeah it. I don't know. There's really nothing else that I can add to it that Tim hasn't really said. And, and I'm, it, it, I think it's a great idea. Look, let me just say this. You don't want to see Mace Windu force push someone with a stump. <laughs> I mean, how amazing oh, wow. would that be? Just, that. Uh, 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 and then they, they, but it, it only like kind of pushes them a little bit. Uh, uh, like it's poking them in the chest. That'd be hilarious. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you've stolen me now. You right? Know, but you know what? Let's be real. This is Star Wars universe. He does have an, a robotic can. Exactly. He would. Yeah, he, he, would he would absolutely can. do that. And it comes out of the robotic can. But, <laughs> yes. But, I mean, that's... Uh, look, I don't expect... With my buddy-buddy cop scenario, I don't expect a Oscar and Felix-type odd couple movie with Mace Windu and Obi-Wan Kenobi living in a cave on Tatooine. But the idea of him... If, if they were to do a, an Obi-Wan movie, which... Ewan McGregor has said he would come back. And if you go along with the way that he's he's been openly critical about 2 and 3 and how he had to portray everything against a, a goddamn green screen, and you go with the way that they're approaching these movies now with a lot of practicality, 
a lot of practical effects, actually actually acting against another actor, and you put an amazing actor like Ewan McGregor and give him something to run with, I mean, the timelines match up in terms of his age and what Ben would have been, what he would look like. No one has ever talked about that kind of negative space within the universe of after Order 66 to now, except some stuff in in novelizations and comics, but it hasn't been around Ben, not really. And, and even then, some of the stuff that was has been wiped away with the new canon. So he just opened doors for possibilities. But the possibility, like I said, of, of a redemption story of an old Jedi who, I mean, I, I, you, can, you can talk to this, Patrick. I never felt like Mace was very Force-sensitive. He always seemed to go to Yoda to see what's up with the Force. You know, and I know they wiped away the idea with the, with the old canon versus the new canon of the, the lightsaber colors meaning something. But I always took Mace to be someone who is a very, he's a tactile person. He's a strategist. He's going to be a great general or was a great general in the Clone Wars. But when it comes to the Force, he always looked to others to find out what's going on. He didn't know anything was happening until Yoda said there was a concern. Well, and he even, there's a part in the movie in three where I always remember where he sits down, he does a little weird, weird spin towards Yoda to be like, what's happening, boss? It's like <laughs> he doesn't have a clue what's going on. So to me, having someone who's very force sensitive like Obi-Wan find him and bring him back from the brink is just, you know, and of course, you know, he'd probably die at the end of that movie or something. You know, you can't bring him around for farther on, but. Just the idea of bringing him back, which both actors have wanted to portray their characters again. They're both alive. They're both available. Both alive. Why? I mean, in, in the no, in no, real I know, life I know what you're saying. Story, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just it it makes so much sense to me, and I think you'd be doing your fans a service as well as the actors' service and let them kind of redeem themselves from um, the lovely three that we had to deal with. So, Tim, have there been any? Uh... Fan theories on the internet that you don't like? Fucking hell, man. Um, <laughs> I mean... Now, wait. I want to stop this for a second. Yeah, go Because um, you, you have to visualize this. Tim is uh, on a chair drinking a beer. And right when Patrick said that, he's slammed his beer down on the ground, on the table. Like, I'm never going to slam a beer. Let's be honest there. But, um, <laughs> you know, don't you? Snork is Darth Plagueis the Wise. That's impossible. Supreme Leader Snoke was master window. I do not believe the Supreme Leader is Ezra. That's impossible. We will use all our resources to unravel this mystery. We will discover the identity. There's a there's two sides to a coin here where there's differing theories on who Rey is. Who what is her lineage? So there's one theory that Rey is a Kenobi, which I personally love. I, I that's up to you guys. Crack that beer, Patrick. Don't, don't do it slowly. Do it proudly. There's there's the theory that Ray is a Kenobi. There's another theory that Ray is a Palpatine. Both are very interesting. Uh, I think if you go the route, or if you go, if Disney goes the route of Ray is the granddaughter of Kenobi, that sets up a spinoff movie. That allows you to bring Ewan McGregor back, opens up the backstory. What the hell was he doing on those years on Tatooine? Oh, well, he fell in love again. And because the order's gone, he feels like he can allow himself to love again or be a normal person, quote unquote. And, you know, henceforth, when you're normal, you do things that are normal. 
you find a girl, you do some thingies, some stuff happens. Whether or not he knows he has a child who would then become Ray's mother or father, that's up to the, the writers of that story. But that's where you bring in you bring in Mace, you bring in whoever. Um, some stuff happens, they run away. And then Ben goes back to being Ben that we see in the start of episode four, where his he knows he has a, a bigger task at hand, and that's to watch out for Luke. The other theory on the flip side of that coin it's the one that I'm not so fond of, that Ray is a Palpatine. Have you guys heard this theory? I've heard it. Yep. What do you, what do you, just top level, what do you guys think? Like, dislike? Let's take a quick poll of the room. I mean, I suppose I'm a little indifferent to that. I mean, I guess it's possible. To nope, you gotta pick theater. one. <laughs> pick one. Yes or no. Good or bad. <laughs> um, Light side, dark side. Come on. <laughs> no, I don't. Honestly, I don't have much of an opinion on that theory. I would prefer the Kenobi one. Okay. <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. To me, it just it doesn't... It, it, it just doesn't make sense. But like I said, there could be a whole bunch of things going on in the background that we were never privileged to because, you know, all we saw was, you know, four, five, six, one, two, three. Um... I don't know. I think it's far fetched, and I think it's going to be if they want to go in that if that theory proves correct, it's gonna it's gonna rewrite a lot of things. I don't know. I I, I don't I don't like it. Patrick, what are not you? a fan. I mean, a... I still think <laughs> I love the decisive answer. <laughs> I still think Ray will turn out to be no one. But if That's if a uh... girl has no name. Yeah, exactly. If she wrong podcast, if she <laughs> did turn out to be related to anybody, I would prefer the Obi Wan theory. I think it just would make, you know, it would kind of change the saga films from being just about the Skywalkers to being about two families, to being about Skywalkers and Kenobi's. I don't think they're going to do it, but definitely don't prefer the Palpatine theory. Can you tell us more about it though? Yeah, I mean the the theory is is trying to it's. <laughs> so irritated (laughs) to me it's one of those things where you're drawing lines where they're not lines the people are drawing hard lines where maybe at the most they're dotted or uh, just i mean they're talking about you know her fighting style the fact that she she stabs a lot and when she's fighting kylo she just she she jabs she what's the word i'm looking for no you're right she she just she pokes she pokes basically and and i think and i think that's that's it's, it's when people are saying that and they're drawing comparisons that it's there's nothing there she yeah. doesn't know how to use a lightsaber so what she can do poke same thing with emperor palpatine he doesn't know how to use a lightsaber because he uses the force more than he does his lightsaber well, skills my only thing about that and, and people have said that online too is like look if you draw that comparison they're saying before ray palpatine is the only person that directly poked a lightsaber they just thrust it forward there was no swing there was no parry it was just a jab when he fights the Jedi in his chambers in, in the end of three. But you have to understand, if you look at that scene, he is so powerful that he is faster than all of the Jedi. This frail little old man is really the dark Lord of the Sith. He is insanely powerful. He doesn't need to swing his sword. He needs to poke you with it because it's a fucking laser and it'll <laughs> cut you immediately and kill you. So, But when you tie that into Rey, like you said, she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. She's testing her powers in the movie. She's learning that she's a Jedi, or could be a Jedi. She's Force-sensitive. She's 
Well, she's trained in wildly. using a staff, and she's fighting as if she was holding her staff. That's Absolutely. true. That's true. And and you see, you know, people talk about. Uh, there's also ideas in there that uh, the way that when she's fighting Kylo and they they clash, and he says, uh, you know, you need a teacher. I could teach you. I could be that teacher for you. And you see her get embroiled with rage and then calm down. That's her tempting the dark side. Um, there's in the novelization of the movie, when Kylo's on the ground, she has a quick thought to herself, I could kill him now. And she has to, she hears like a dark voice talking to her. That's saying that, you know, kill him, kill him. And people are saying that's Palpatine talking to her through the force. I think it, it's human nature. I, I don't like to look at that as some dark character from her past or her lineage that's the dark passenger that we all have in life of this guy has been trying to kill kill me for however long for an hour and 45 minutes <laughs> and he just killed someone that i viewed as my mentor he's betrayed everything that he was born to be you wouldn't you if you saw someone you loved which i think she did love han in, in a very mentor type way you saw someone die and now you have the ability to avenge their death. Wouldn't you that thought at least come through your head? But she stops because of the way of the force, the light side of the force is to not kill him. Mm-hmm. It's to let him live and let him understand his grief or, or whatever you want to say. But they're just, they're drawing hard lines where I don't think there are hard lines. Um, you know, it. I look at it too when you're looking at, um, I mean, I guess you don't know everything of Palpatine's backstory, but who was who was his wife or his mistress or who did he get it on with that then had a kid because you look at the timeline there's no way that's not a granddaughter it has to at least be a granddaughter if not a great granddaughter where's this lineage why would that lineage be involved i mean i think what patrick said bringing in the kenobis makes it a saga about two families intertwined and how they impact the the universe really the other kind of pillar of this theory is that if you look at Palpatine was evil, Skywalker was um, was good, now their roles are reversed in this new trilogy. A Palpatine is good and a Skywalker is evil, essentially. Because Leia, whether you want to say it or not, Leia is a Skywalker, right? So her bloodline has now turned to the dark side. So now they're fighting against each other, but in a different way. That's the only reason, that's the only thing about this that I find interesting. Where if you say that the, the bloodlines have twisted, that's interesting. The the idea that, oh, because she pokes, get the fuck out of here. It doesn't, <laughs> that's, not, that's, not a, that's not a comparison. You're looking at someone that doesn't know how to use a lightsaber, doesn't know what the hell they're doing, they're trying to fight for their life. They're going to do whatever comes natural to them to save themselves. And you look at someone that's fighting against an urge inside herself, not her grandpa, you know, grandpappy saying, kill him. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. The Kenobi side of it absolutely makes sense to me from a grand scheme and an individual scheme when you have Kenobi in two versions of Kenobi talking to her in that dream sequence when she touches the lightsaber. When you have all of these things pushing her forward and she is the embodiment of hope for this new franchise, it doesn't make sense for me to say that now she's a Palpatine. Especially doesn't make sense in terms of a marketing perspective for me for Disney to say, She's the granddaughter of, a, granddaughter of a Palpatine and have the potential of her going evil. I don't like that theory. I don't like that thought because she could be so much more for this this 
you know, new trilogy. Well, I think we've already seen that too. I mean, it's, it's too close to Luke finding out that his father is Darth Vader, and we already have people complaining that Force Awakens was too close to, to the first film. I just don't think they're going to go down that route road to find out her her ancestor was someone very evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that too. Or be, she just could be no one. And I think that I think that's the more plausible route they're going to do it. You know, you if you go back all the way to Episode One, Anakin Skywalker was nobody. He came from. I mean, there was there was nothing. So he was Jesus, basically. Though he was birthed by the Force. Yeah, yeah. His mom sure. was impregnated by the Force. I'm, I'm, so I think she was just a drunk, and you know, Shmi was out running around town. You never know. Already then. Yeah, uh, I just went there. I just went there. <laughs> yeah, I just besmirched the good name of Shmi. <laughs> Please send your hate mail to Tim Beasley. <laughs> I just, I, I think, from a perspective of. The, the theory is she a, a Kenobi? Is she a Palpatine? Or is she a nobody? <laughs> she no, I mean, is she is she from no you know historical lineage? Sure, that's that's totally fine. I mean, that's even more impactful, really. Like you said, it's it's someone from nothing coming to be something spectacular, and you've already seen these little girls. I mean, I can't remember which which other podcasts I was listening to, if I would, I would give them props because it was fantastic, but they were talking about it. They're sitting there in Star Wars 7 premiere, watching little girls run around the front of the screen, dancing and fighting with lightsabers because they wanted to be Rey. They'd never even seen the movie yet, but you know it's Rey. As soon as you saw her light up that lightsaber in trailer three or trailer two, whichever one it was, all of a sudden you inspired a new generation of women. To then have her turn evil... I think you, you wipe away all the credit you just built in mm-hmm. seven. So I don't think that's an option. I don't think she's going to be a Palpatine. Uh, even just hint the fact that she has an evil lineage. I don't think you do. I think you make her someone positive. Um, and you let Kylo be that just disgusting villain. And we get to go through his journey of really trying to be the worst baddie in the, in, in the history. I mean, his goal is to be worse than Vader. I want to see that. I don't want to see Ray potentially fight with the dark side. I want to be. I want to see Ray become a great, a great Jedi and fight against a great villain. That's it's simple. Why convolute it? Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting too. I think that takes us somewhere where let's 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 put some wagers here. How do you think this trilogy is going to end? I'm thinking a big thing blows up. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how does the trilogy end? Yeah. How are they going to close out this trilogy? What, oh. what becomes of our new characters? God, Animal. that's that's hard to say. I mean, I didn't I didn't know how I had thoughts and we had theories and stuff on how seven was going to end, and it ended pretty differently than we thought. So, how's the trilogy going to end? Hopefully, with Kylo with a lightsaber through his chest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Poe and uh, uh, Finn. No, that's... shit. <laughs> Finn. Finn. Oh, they said Ben. I was like, not Finn. I, I, I honestly hope Finn and Poe hook up. I hope you have openly gay characters. I'm not even I'm not even joking there. Like people joke about it online, but I think that'd be great. I mean, we as far as I know, there's never been openly gay characters in the Star Wars universe. They just did it in the Star Trek universe. Why not do it there? And um, but that's controversial. It's uh, it's taking place in the in the novels, just hasn't happened on, on film yet. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, Finn does seem to, you know, ask about girlfriends and stuff, but he's been a stormtrooper his whole life. He doesn't know what he wants. You know, you never know what happened in those showers. Maybe he finds love. 
that's all I want to see. Uh, so you think? Yeah, keep going. This will end with I'm going back to Kylo with the death of Kylo. Do you think they'll they'll then end the Skywalker line? It's a great question. Um, I mean, I think he is the. I don't. That's another theory that we didn't touch on. Is she a Skywalker? I absolutely not. I don't think there's any way whatsoever that Rey is a Skywalker. She's not Leia's daughter. You would think that if mother and daughter saw each other and they're both force sensitive, they'd know who the hell they were. I think that was legitimately the first time they've ever met on that base when she got back and Han was dead. And Leia completely, you know, said, screw you, Chewie, and let him go bleed somewhere else. <laughs> I don't think that when Ray reaches the island and Luke sees her, he's seeing his daughter for the first time in 15 years. I think she's a nobody or she's a Kenobi, in my opinion. But yeah, you're right. If Ben dies, the bloodline is dead. I don't know how far they're going to go. Because, I mean, from my understanding, Episode 8 is, what, right after Episode 7. Starts right where we left off. Who knows where Episode 9 will take off from Episode 8 or what the timeline will be from 8. I mean, they say Episode 8 starts up where Episode 7 left off. Okay, but we could skip ahead three years in her training ten minutes into the movie. You don't know necessarily what the timeline is going to be. Do I want Kylo and Rey to somehow hook up? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's ideas that Ben is going to, you know, be wrestling with his faith. I think he kind of put that to bed when he, you know, put Papa in the ground. But I don't know. I think a, a Ray kylo hookup would be interesting mm-hmm. alongside a Finn and Poe hookup. But I think I think a, a Ray and Finn hookup is more more, more likely. Sure. Yeah. It also does great things for, for yeah. relations. I, I honestly think that we're going to see a Star Wars Marvel crossover. Oh, and no. then <laughs> Iron Man's going to Iron Man's going to come in. Yeah. Again. Episode nine, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy going to pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. In a galaxy far, far away, but somehow yeah. in the future. That's why they're called Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. No, but I honestly think that history is going to repeat itself. I think you're going to have, like I said, big things blowing up. A story of redemption. Like Kylo Ren may, you know, do, do something, redeem himself right before he gets killed off or something like that. But ultimately, he's going to die. There's Kylo. Kylo Ren is going to die. There's no question about it. You know, because it's all these movies are. It's a classic tale of good versus evil. He's evil. Evil needs to die. But um, yeah, I, I, I think we're going to see almost the exact same format in four, five, six. You're going to see in seven, eight, nine. I mean, I absolutely want to see more of the Knights of Ren in 8, which they've said there's going to be a little bit more about them. If it's good, which it just looks good, you know, even that dream sequence that you get eight seconds on camera in a blurry, you know, rain-filled thought, it looked amazing. The, the idea of what they are looks amazing. Love to see a spinoff there or have them show up in some sort of... You never know what's going to happen with what Disney has coming down the pipe. You never know if there's going to be a spinoff TV show or a web series or something like that. But to see something revolving completely around the Knights of Ren looks amazing. They just look interesting. And I don't think we get enough, you know, I understand people want to have hope and things like that, but we don't get enough from the villain perspective. So to see from the villain's perspective that they're actually the good guys or the right guys would be interesting. We don't get that enough in, in mainstream media. So 
I, on the other hand, I don't think, I don't think he can be redeemed. Not in the eyes of the viewers. He, he killed off one of our favorite characters, but I also don't think they're going to kill him off. Uh, my prediction, because I, I, I really don't see them not, I don't see Lucasfilm not making 10, 11 and 12. Sure. And I predict that the saga films will continue to be the Skywalker lineage. I think he will do something at the end of this trilogy, maybe not to be completely redeemed, but he may uh, help the heroes and then maybe go into exile. And I think the next trilogy will be the story of perhaps his child trying to be trained by the new Jedi, the new order of Jedis that rise after the end of the trilogy. And you can open up all kinds of complications with that of whether or not the son of Kylo Ren should be trained. So I, I, that's my prediction of where they're going. But I have a feeling they might keep him around only to extend the bloodline. Yeah, I mean, the bloodline is definitely important. Just a blue lightsaber coming up through his chest. Would be just, <laughs> just shining in that, that visor. We're joined now with a, a guest, Chris Siegel from the Star Wars Underworld podcast. Hey, Chris, how's it going? It's going great. I'm glad to be on the show. So unlike all of us who are unable to attend, um, we understand you went to Star Wars Celebration. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, I'm surprised that I'm still alive to talk about it. Uh, it was it was a crazy experience. Um, I, I decided to make a European vacation out of it. So I went to Amsterdam and Paris first, and then uh, hung around London for a little bit, and then did Celebration, and then turned around and did San Diego Comic-Con right after that. Jesus. So it was about a month of <laughs> traveling around, and uh, but it was totally worth it, especially Celebration. It was, it was really fun. Uh, I, I, I've been to three celebrations now, so this is the third one, but this is the first one overseas that I've been to, and I would say it's not quite as large as the ones here in the United States, but it was it was pretty big, and from what I've heard, it was the biggest celebration that has happened yet overseas, so a good one to be my first, for sure. What were some of the highlights? Um, well, I'll just run through all the things that happened at celebration. <laughs> There's a lot of things. Um, I would say going from the most intense moment starting with that was the announcement that Thrawn would be coming back into Star Wars Rebels and there was going to be another book by Timothy Zahn about Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, that I think got the biggest reaction from the crowd there. Uh, people, there was a standing ovation for like probably about two minutes for that. So that was one of the big things. I think one of the other moments that was supposed to be big was um, a new Rogue One trailer and a Rogue One kind of behind-the-scenes sizzle reel, but that didn't really play off as big as the Thrawn stuff, partially because they just didn't really reveal a whole lot for Rogue One, and then also partially because the presentation, there were some technical snafus in it. Uh, they tried playing the behind-the-scenes reel, and it kind of stopped halfway through. The projector, like, conked out or something, and so that kind of deflated the energy in the room, and then uh, when they went to play the trailer, which was supposed to be this special trailer that only people at Celebration would see, they accidentally played the behind-the-scenes clip again. So <laughs> we had to sit through the whole thing for 30 minutes, just like wondering what was going on until they finally got to that. So there were those little things that kind of caused the Rogue One to slow down. And then um, the thing that was supposed to highlight the third day... There we go. <laughs> We're already getting started here. <laughs> Uh, the thing that was supposed to highlight the third day was um, the Future Filmmakers panel, which uh, had, um, 
uh, Chris Miller Pillard and um, Ryan Johnson on it, who are, are doing um, respectively the, the Han Solo film and the uh, Star Wars Episode Eight film. And they didn't really reveal much of that either, just some behind-the-scenes stuff. They uh, did bring out Alden Ehrenreich, who is uh, the actor who's going to be playing Han Solo. And that was probably the best part of that panel, was just seeing him in person. However, they, he wasn't in the Han Solo outfit. They didn't show any pictures of him in the Han Solo outfit. So you had to use your imagination. So it was kind of cool, but I would say that definitely the Thrawn stuff, that was the one that, that kind of took everybody by surprise, and I think that was the moment of, of the convention for everyone. Let me jump in there to, to touch on your last point. So having the new Han Solo on stage, seeing him out there, shaking hands, kissing babies, all that good stuff, what do you think of him? What's your opinion? Do you also think he will be in that traditional Han Solo outfit, or will they do something different as to not necessarily besmirch if you will in a in a slightly negative way well you know he, here, here, here's like. the thing um that's my personal theory is that's actually not his outfit that's lando's outfit okay. uh he still he takes the falcon in the in the in the game of sabacc and then he takes lando's clothing and then that <laughs> explains why lando so quickly puts on Han's clothing in Empire Strikes Back. It's the only explanation for why he would do that, like that. unless it's, our, it's his clothing. So uh, I would like to see them play around with that in the okay. film. I think that would be kind of cool if they actually lent some credence to that fan theory about, about the clothing. But as far as the actor goes, um, I feel better about it, having seen him in person. Um, I did not feel great about this movie going in. I thought that it was too soon to recast the most iconic character with a face in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought, this is really soon to recast this. You know, it's only, like, the fourth, third or fourth movie to come out. Like, I don't know. But um, seeing Alden, like, I think that he does have the charisma to do it. Like, I think that... I, I, I feel like it's more likely his performance is going to be well-received than not well-received, just based on the limited information that I have right now. But uh, I just... start When they initially announced it, I felt just so bad about it that anything they can show me is making me feel a little bit a little bit better okay i've only seen him in in one movie and that was hail caesar mm-hmm. which if you haven't seen it he plays a slow talking somewhat dim-witted very rugged cowboy actor who is from texas and who is a cowboy so it's not yeah. really playing a part it's him and i could see the look but I haven't seen the range. I haven't seen him play around. I haven't seen him be rugged and manly in the sense of Han or funny and witty in the sense of Han. So it's like when I heard the news, I'm like, really, that guy? But there's been so many different movies that, that Disney as a whole mm-hmm. has cast people into. You know, go back to, you know, an offshoot of Disney, you know, Marvel Studios looking at Iron Man 1. Robert Downey Jr., really? What's going on here? He's the backbone of that franchise. Yes. So if you're looking at, at now this new guy playing Han and the, the speculation that could be start of a new trilogy, you know, an outside trilogy with Han as either the focal point or the starting jumping off point, I can't necessarily say that I disagree with it because what if he's the new, you know, RDJ and he's yeah. going to start a whole new franchise within a franchise. And they've signed him for three movies in case I think that happens. But I mean, you don't have to go outside Star Wars to look at that example because um, look at Adam Driver. Like, mm-hmm. people heard that Adam Driver was going to be the new, like, Darth Vader character. They were mm-hmm. like, 
what? That comes out of nowhere. I mean, this guy like does comedy movies. Yeah. Like, how is he going to pull this off? And uh, I wasn't sure exactly what to think about that going into The Force Awakens. But then I watched it, and then I watched it ten more times. And, <laughs> um, I, you know, he, he did a great job. And that was I, I think that was fantastic casting. So I think so far we have yet to see somebody miscast like a real miss in the sense um disney has taken over and so i wouldn't expect this something so big as han solo to be the first time they screwed up hopefully that's i going in optimistically knock on wood and everything else yeah exactly (laughs) so i was also told that you happened to attend uh the ahsoka tana panel i did please I'm, i'm a huge ahsoka fan i love her snips is one of my favorite characters i love that dual wielding that sassy personality um, I have not watched Rebels, so I loved her in Clone Wars. Heard she came back in Rebels, but haven't gotten into the series. Um, so I don't know her story as it left off, but I've heard fantastic things are coming. So please, if you could tell any any info, be lovely. Well, there is a book coming out called mm-hmm. Sokotano, um, so I think that's going to fill in a lot of the gaps there. Um, but as far as what was revealed at, at the panel... They finally kind of explained what that final arc of, of the Clone Wars series would be. And we've known about this thing for a long time. We knew that it was going to take place around season eight-ish of the show, and that it was going to explain what was going on with the new Clone Wars characters during Revenge of the Sith, and why some of them weren't in Revenge of the Sith, like Ahsoka and Captain Rex. Um, so... Uh, Dave Filoni kind of did really a brief kind of synopsis of the story and also showed some concept art of that story. And uh, basically, um, Ahsoka was going to get involved in the um, war with the Mandalorians okay. um, that was going on. And they were they were kind of continuing to ramp up all these uh, political factions and on Mandalore and the Clone Wars TV show. And so that, that, that turmoil would have continued. And uh, basically, the easiest way to explain it is that the Republic was involved and then when the um, Battle of Coruscant started and um, the uh, Chancellor was kidnapped, they called a lot of the troops back to Coruscant for for that battle. Uh, And so it left the Mandalorians kind of in the lurch with no one to kind of protect them against the Separatists and the different um, Mando factions that were on their side. So um, Ahsoka kind of jumped in and saved the day and took a bunch of Captain Rex and a bunch of five of first troopers with her, okay. and kind of um, was basically saved the day and was the heroine of of, of that battle right there. Um, and she was fighting alongside uh, Bo Katan um, in that. So that's where she was during Revenge of the Sith. Okay. She was off on this this battle on Mandalore, and she was the only one that was kind of fighting on this one side when the Republic had abandoned them to go back with the truce being withdrawn. So um, then after that, there was some concepts potentially for them to go on further and tell some stories during the uh, Jedi Purge with Ahsoka Tarno and what are basically her, her, her adventures there. Uh, so there was going to be potentially an episode where... Uh, she was on this planet, and they, she had uh, bad clones coming after her. And she was protected by these giant wolf-like creatures. And of course, you know, Dave Filoni is obsessed with wolves. <laughs> so he kind of brings that, this kind of um, storyline in where these wolves are kind of like protecting her, and um, she's, they're fighting together against these uh, clones that are coming after her and the Jedi Purge. Uh, so that, that sounded like really, really, really fun. Uh, and then as far as just, like, other stories with Ahsoka is concerned, 
Um, there was a couple other ones that they talked about. Um, one of them, she was actually going to um, kind of fall in love a little bit with the smuggler character. And what's really interesting about this is this guy, he, he looks a lot and he sounds a lot like Han Solo. And I've heard some things that potentially they may have been playing around with the idea of having Han Solo introduced in the Clone Wars series and having him have a little bit of a relationship with Ahsoka Tano, which is really interesting. But then they decided that was too much of a stretch to do that. So they kept the story, but they changed the character to this new smuggler character. So there was going to be some stories with Ahsoka and this character and their adventures. And then another one that I thought was really intriguing was there was going to be a story about Ahsoka going deep into the, the underground of uh, Coruscant. And she was going to discover a Sith temple way, way below the Jedi temple. As you know, it's kind of from the um, expanded universe, there's some stories and backstory about how the Jedi temple is based, um, built on top of a Sith temple. Uh, so I guess they find this temple, and there's this kind of uh, battle over the Sith holocron that happens. And uh, Darth Sidious gets involved. And they showed concept art of this one scene where um, Ahsoka is, is trying to kind of jam a door with her lightsaber so that the Sith can't come in and get this holocron. And Darth Sidious is on the other side of the door trying to come through, and he's electrocuting her with the Sith lightning Gosh. through the door. And it's just absolutely insane. <laughs> so, like... I think that that's pretty much um, everything that they, they covered in the panel. So it was just a few of those different stories kind of leading up to Revenge of the Sith, what was happening during Revenge of the Sith, and then potentially if they were to go on after that in the series, um, there was that story with the Purge as well. So a lot of crazy stuff. The idea of her fighting alongside Mandalorian troops. Yeah. I loved that portion of the Clone Wars. The, the Mandalorian myth and the culture just is fantastic. That would have been wonderful. That, would, that could have been a season right there that I would have watched. Yeah. Instead of the, what, four episodes that we got about the little frog general and the droids? My <laughs> God, season five, what'd you do to me? That was terrible, but but that would have been fantastic. Is there any word on what the novel is going to be about exactly? Not specifically, but I'm guessing that it's going to cover a lot of the stories that I mentioned. Um, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Okay. I would definitely like to see what happened to her Order 66-wise yes. afterwards what her story is and then if there's any kind of lead up into a song uh, a song a han solo mm -hmm. that would be amazing to have her in in the han solo uh what are we calling it? anthology film the anthology oh my gosh that would be amazing and i i'm a huge advocate of taking characters from the clone wars and putting them in other things Absolutely. because i mean i can tell like you love the clone wars too Absolutely. we all love the clone wars and it was a, an amazing series and some of the original characters in that series were fantastic characters with great character development and ahsoka notwithstanding and so I feel like it's important to keep those characters going. And, I mean, they've injected some of them into Star Wars Rebels with varying degrees of success. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like, you know, Star Wars is its a film franchise, ultimately. And yeah. I think keeping these characters out of the films, I think, is a disservice to the fans and a disservice to the story because they're great characters. Oh. It's like just because they were introduced on an animated show, I don't think that that doesn't mean that we shouldn't see them on screen. And that also doesn't mean we shouldn't see animated stuff on screen either. Why not? Let's see an animated movie on screen. I, I'm all for it. Oh, absolutely. And you have another opportunity for Disney to inject a strong female character yes. back into a theatrical film, which, hello, that's that's how you put even more butts in the seat. And someone that looks really different, too. I mean, like I love what Disney's doing having these strong lead female characters, but, I mean, 
Daisy Ridley and Felicity Jones, they're both, like, white British girls. Like, you know, you're <laughs> kind of, they're only going so far. And it's like, oh, let's see, you know, um, something a little bit different. You know, I want to see something different. Because we've got Padme, we've got Leia, we've got Jenner, so we've got, you know, Ray, And they're all look the same. Like, exactly. They sound the same, too. <laughs> With the same accent. It's like, what? <laughs> let's see Let's see Ahsoka. Let's see other, other characters. So Ahsoka would be what? seven eight years older than han sounds about Something right like so yeah I mean, she was um she would have been about she was 14 in in, in the clone wars yeah. um so yeah she's approximately the same age it's right around there yeah yeah less than a decade older yes than yes you could definitely inject her into that movie yeah i i, have a I would problem love there, that i mean i'm i'm kind of bummed out that we're not going to see more clone wars and rebels characters in rogue one like, because it's happening at the same time. It's like you would think that they would tie that in a little bit closer, but they keep coming up with this idea that I, I've noticed them recycling this over the past, like, um, few years, where it's like they want new characters. They're all about creating these new characters, but then they bring in the old ones as fan service or as, like, a cameo, yeah. and then they outshine the new characters because they're not building them into the story correctly. Like, with Rebels, they, they should have started, okay, here's Ahsoka, she's at the beginning of the story, she's kind of like, like, the one movie I think they they did a great job with is The Force Awakens with the character of Han Solo. I felt like he did not take anything away from the new characters, I think he added to the story, I think they did a great job with him. But then you look at Rebels, and I know you haven't seen it, but um, it's like they start off with these new characters, and you don't have that Han Solo you know, like Ben Kenobi in the original mm-hmm. trilogy character for them. And Ahsoka could have been that character, and I felt like that would have been a better way to use her in that show. I've seen the first two episodes of season one. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. It was why I didn't keep going is I didn't have any buy-in. Now I have buy-in because I've heard Darth Maul's back. Yep. Vader makes an appearance. Yeah. Ahsoka's there. I'm like, well, sh- shit. Exactly. Man, I gotta go back. Exactly. I'm, what have I been missing out on? Yeah. And then there's Mandalorians. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Like you've, you've sold me. I just gotta find the time to do it. Yeah, they should have started off the bat with that instead of kind of tried to introduce these newer characters and then added these other ones in there because it almost seems like they're trying to correct something. Yeah. Which is not a good vibe. And then once they did introduce her, then then from that point forward, every time they had an episode she wasn't in, I'm like, where's Ahsoka? What's she doing? Exactly. Why are we looking at her? Exactly. So you're right. She definitely overshadowed the, show, the story they were trying yes. to tell. Yes. I mean, it is good with, with Forrest Whitaker coming in to play Saul, uh, Saul Guerrero. They are attaching at least. They're, they're acknowledging... Bit, yeah. These offshoots. Everybody's of... favorite character for the Clone Wars, Sagarera. We're so excited, guys. <laughs> I, I, truthfully, when the, when the original trailer came out, I'm like, Forrest Whitaker, that's awesome. I love Forrest Whitaker. He's a fantastic actor. He's been in amazing things. Who the hell is he playing? And then when the character was finally announced, it's like, what? That's a, that's awesome. Yeah. They're bringing it back. You see an aged, kind of, almost seems like broken, but still inspiring man. It's like, He's been fighting this fight for years. Yeah. Hopefully he's going to push his troops and his people to the next level. Yeah. He's not in that very much, so I'm wondering if he's not, you know, this might be the last time we see him. But yeah. It's going to be know, case for a lot of them, I feel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't. It's, uh, it's what, 10 minutes before uh, episode four starts? Yeah. So not many of them are going to make it into episode five, but uh, it's definitely interesting to see them at least pulling from yes. their what you consider is almost their side catalog. Mm-hmm. It feels like, because like you said, they don't necessarily, Ooh, Paul. <laughs> you almost don't look at the Clone Wars 
as canon, but it is, you know, and, and yeah. now they're starting to pull from it and, and expanding this universe. It's awesome. Yeah, I think it's really important to do that. And I mean, even with Saw, like it feels kind of like slapped together because it's like his eye color is different. Like, you know, it's it's almost like, OK, we have this character that looks like he could be Saw. So I guess we should make him Saw. That's what it felt <laughs> like. So, you know, I want to see a little bit more effort than that. Well, hopefully there's there's some character development there, at least some tie in. Yeah, just. Hey, here's an old, I'm not gonna complain, here's an old but from back in the day. come on, like let's let's just have one of the characters just from the get go be, you know, like Ahsoka or Rex or like somebody we really care about that's important to the story. Yeah, Ahsoka would be awesome. Yes. So moving on from Celebration, what kind of Star Wars presence did you see at Comic Con? Uh, for panels, there was barely any presence. Uh, typically, what we've been seeing at the last few Comic Cons is either a really strong presence for the films or for the TV shows. So Clone Wars has always had a strong presence at Comic-Con. Rebels actually premiered the first episode of Star Wars Rebels at San Diego Comic-Con a few years ago. Um, and then uh, last year, they had a massive panel for The Force Awakens there that um, culminated in a, a concert for, for all the people at the panel. So it was an amazing, amazing thing. So going from that to this year, it was a little bit of a letdown because this year they just had like the licensees pretty much doing panels like Hasbro and the uh, Del Rey and you know um Sideshow Kotobukiya basically th they were the focus the licensees were the focus of this convention mm -hmm. uh the coolest thing that they had was um on the convention floor there what had constructed a a giant temple that looked kind of like the temple on on Yavin that the Rebel Alliance was utilizing for a base um so I'm pretty sure that's tied into Rogue One um, it looks like that's kind of, uh, I think we've seen some clips in the trailers of what looks kind of like a similar base there, potentially even the same one, um, from Rogue One, and I think this confirms that we'll see that, because the, the Rogue One is what they're pushing, and then you have this big temple thing. So, it was massive, it was really cool, they had all the licensees and products and stuff all around there. Um, and then one of the other things, uh, that was cool was, um, they actually debuted a character for Rogue One. Um, at this uh, temple where they had the um, costumes up on mannequins for okay. all the characters. And um, so they had, like, you know, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character and Felicity Jones' character. But they had a new character up there, uh, and his name was Two Tubes. Um, two Tubes? Two Tubes, mm. yes. And he has two tubes. He has, like, a mask <laughs> with two tubes on it. So it's, it, it's a quite obvious um uh, name so that was cool that they kind of used that space to kind of reveal something so that was the kind of the big reveal for there um but the licensees did reveal some cool stuff and i thought hasbro did the best job because hasbro announced that they're going to have an adact wa a walker and an adact it's um a-t-a-c-t -A which is the rogue one version of the at-at mm -hmm. and so it's just it's slightly different but it's the same concept and so they have a, a toy coming out, and it's about the same size as that original kind of vintage Adat that the Hasbro uh, or Kenner would have been back then had. But this thing has motorized legs, and it actually walks, and it's so dope. <laughs> like, I saw it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to buy this. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just the coolest thing. And, like, the way that it walks, it's like, it's just, like, kind of staggered, kind of like like the uh, original, like, stop motions are mm -hmm. in, the, in the original trilogy. So... Uh, that that was kind of mind blowing. So uh, ha Hasbro definitely gets an A plus for their for their presentation there, and they they had um they put them out in like a little case for people to watch. You could see them in action walking, uh, you know, at 
the at the convention. So that was that was pretty cool. Nice. Awesome. Two tubes currently not listed on IMDb, so probably just a voice character there. If his face is just two tubes, so. yeah. <laughs> He's played by tubes. <laughs> just a giant tuba making noise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's just so much to take in. Chris, did you attend the Her Universe fashion show? Yes, I did. And actually, I haven't really gotten a chance to talk about it a lot because there's been just so much Star Wars that's been going on. Uh, so I'm excited to give you um, an exclusive take on that here on, on your <laughs> show. Um, so uh, for those of you who don't know, Her Universe is a fashion company that was uh, founded by Dan Madsen and Ashley Eckstein, who is the voice of Ahsoka Tano from uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, and it, it's a fashion company that is focused on geek chic for girls because remember about six seven years ago right when you know the clone wars was taking off there was not a lot of clothing that fit women that was related to star wars or other other um franchises uh like you know uh, star trek lord of the rings doctor who all this stuff um now there's a lot more of it now it seems like it's gone pretty mainstream um but ashley Eckstein was one of the first people to say we're gonna make a a fashion company uh, specifically targeted at the female demographic uh, with the geek culture in mind. It, uh, Star Wars was one of the first important major properties um, for it because she's coming from Star Wars and Dan Madsen also has a lot of history of Star Wars. He uh, ran the first Star Wars celebration and used to run that Star Wars Insider as well in like the 80s or 90s. Um, so uh, the, their company has really grown and what they've been doing the past few years at San Diego Comic Con is they've been having a uh, geek couture a fashion show now i didn't know this before it was connected to star wars but apparently what couture is is it's <laughs> handmade clothing <laughs> um so it's stuff that's that's made by hand that's unique that it can't be replicated by a machine or a pattern um so uh this fashion show is just basically like your typical kind of like paris new york thing with models walking down a runway but they're wearing dresses that are handmade that are inspired by um, geek IPs uh, like Star Wars and Harry Potter and Doctor Who and Marvel. And uh, uh, it's basically, it's like a contest. There's multiple winners. There's a winner chosen by judges. There's a winner chosen by um, the fans. They now turned it into a documentary series, which is on Comic-Con's um, TV channel that they've recently launched. It's like an internet web TV channel. Um, and uh, they get the, the watchers of that get to also choose choose a winner. So uh, that was really awesome. There were some really great designs for, for Star Wars and for other properties as well. There was um, uh, there was a dress that was inspired by Phasma, a dress inspired by Hux, like a lot of Force Awakens stuff. It's really cool. Um, some great stuff um, for the um, Harry Potter film that the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them that's coming out as well. That was a big presence there. And then Ashley Eckstein herself, the dress that she wore when she was emceeing um, the, the uh, fashion show was a dress made completely out of Lego bricks, 10,000 Lego bricks. It weighed 25 pounds, and it, and it had a Ahsoka Tano's face on it. And it was just really, really, really cool looking uh, and really, really impressive. So that definitely took a lot of people back there so uh that thing that that was really cool to attend uh, it looks like that this just going to be a regular thing they, i think this was the third one either the second or the third one that they've had so i think this is just going to be a normal occurrence now at comic-con which is really cool because it's it's great seeing 
kind of mainstream things being pulled into geek culture. And what's cool about that, too, is geek culture is very inclusive, you know. Uh, you've got a few people out there that are elitist, but mainly everyone's inclusive in geek culture. And so what's great about this is, like, the models who are walking down the runway, uh, they're not, like, your typical, like, 5'9", 110 models, you know. Some of them are, but most of them are just regular people. And a lot of the designers model their own stuff, too. So you see, like, just typical average body sizes modeling these these clothes which is just really really awesome and I think it's a really great message to you know people growing up especially like young girls because as you know our society is like just so focused on the ideal image of what a person should look like and fashion you see that repeated in magazines and you know uh, big billboards inside clothing stores and stuff so to have something like this that is just there's so many talented people involved in it they're also passionate and they're also inclusive and not perpetuating this you know just these standards that mm -hmm. you know permeates our society I think it's just a, such an amazing positive thing and I just hope that this expands and that this idea kind of um, expands across our whole society because it's it's just really cool I'm on her website looking at some of her stuff. I'm like, Cantina Band Skirt. It's catching my eye. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> the only they had it in it's my a size. <laughs> exactly. And it looks like Ashley Eckstein herself is doing a lot of her modeling on her website. Yes, she does, yes. The, the photo, uh, there's a photo on there from, um, from Celebration with the dress you're talking about. Yes. Looks fantastic. Yes. Probably terrible to wear out in public. <laughs> Can't imagine that's very comfortable, but it looks visually amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She has a good relationship yeah. with Disney. She also has a fantastic relationship with Hot Topic. So that's the easiest place to get her merchandise is Hot Topic. But Disney as well. There's some really unique stuff over there. I've noticed. Some really cool stuff on our website. Oh yeah, it's it's a great website. They've got their line is great. It's very diversified now. It's not just Star Wars. There's a lot of other franchises that they've gotten licenses for. Um, Star Wars, Marvel, Doctor Who, Transformers, Star Trek, and Nerdist. Yeah. I don't want to keep the rest of the stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, stuff. that's some amazing branding to have there. Yes. Yes. So it's great to see it's kind of permeating the. Uh... What the hell was I? <laughs> Go over there. Spreading like a virus. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not surprised you said Star Wars had a small presence, but what would you say was your favorite? Uh, well, I have a personal favorite thing, and then I have something that would be more relatable to other people. Uh, the thing that's more relatable to other people is that I was able to go to the Sherlock panel, uh, which is a really cool TV show, and um, Benedict Cumberbatch, the star of that show, made a surprise appearance there. He wasn't listed to be at that, but I believe he also was there the day before for the Doctor Strange presentation as part of the Marvel presentation. Um, so that was cool to see. Personally, um, I was uh, looking up information because uh, I basically was flying by the seat of my pants at this con because I just come from this huge Europe trip and Star Wars celebration and there wasn't any like main Star Wars stuff. So I'm just like, I'm just gonna go. I already have the hotel and the tickets and everything. So I just went and just figured out what I was gonna do when I got there. And so I was looking um, it up and I realized that one of my favorite musicians was going to be there at a panel. And it's kind of a bizarre situation because she happens to be the lead actress for the TV show My Little Pony. 
So everybody's like, you're going to a My Little Pony panel, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's not because I watch My Little Pony. Um, but, hey, man, if you're a brony, <laughs> wear proud and loud. Hey, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say it's a bad show. I've seen a few episodes of it. it. It is a good show. I understand why people like it. I have nothing against people that are in that fandom, and I think they get a bad rap, and I think it's unfortunate. But, um, yes, uh, her name's Ashley Ball, um, and she's a, she's a primarily a musician um, from, from Canada that has headlined the band Hey Ocean for many, many years. That, and this band has recently gone on a hiatus, which is very, very uh, unfortunate for me because I'm a big fan. So I, I was very sad that they went on a hiatus and that all everybody's broken off and they're doing just solo projects now. And I noticed that she was the one member of the band that was not doing any solo projects. She was just singing for animation because I guess there's sometimes My Little Pony has sing-along stuff and she does, she does that. So Don't she, ask me how I know that. <laughs> so she was doing that. She was doing some music for My Little Pony. So I attended the My Little Pony panel with the specific intention of asking her about her music and f- kind of flipping the head on the normal situation, which would, people would come up to her and say, oh, so I watched My Little Pony, and I guess I heard you are in a band too, so I discovered that, and that's really cool. Whereas I'm just the opposite. I'm just into her. I've heard about her music you know, way before My Little Pony, and I was surprised to learn that she was in My Little Pony. Mm-hmm. So I went to the panel. I got in line for the Q&A there, um, and I was able to actually uh, talk to her. And so I asked her, I said, hey, Ashley, like, my name's Chris. I've been a big fan of your music for a long time. I'm kind of like the opposite of all the people here because I'm here just to see you. You know, I don't watch My <laughs> Little Pony. And I was wondering, like, are you going to be making any more music yourself outside of the stuff you do for animation? And she told me, yes, I've uh, been working with this really cool producer and I'm going to do a solo uh, album and it's gonna we're gonna hear more about it in, uh, later in the year and she like thanked me for being a, a fan of her music and was very obviously like really you know uh, pleasantly surprised that someone out of My Little Pony panel would actually be there for her and her stuff um, so that was kind of a cool personal experience for me to to do that that was really awesome yeah I like Ashley Ball she's fantastic and gorgeous and <laughs> oh her style is amazing talented. she showed up in this dress and this a uh, really great kind of like western um inspired a uh, beige hat and i was like oh man like she's like <laughs> you know she 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 definitely uh, had it going on there <laughs> yeah she did a just seeing herself there's a documentary called the brony's tale i have it's, seen that documentary she's, for she's her just, <laughs> she, yeah I, that's yeah. why she's just a lovely person. Yes. So what what panel was she at? She it was just the My Little Pony panel. Okay. Yeah, that's I, just her general panel. So I've now I know what I can I can dish about My Little Pony now because <laughs> like I saw their panel, I know what's gonna happen with the show. So what's happening with Rainbow Dash? <laughs> uh, Tell me all about Rainbow Dash. What's going on? They're doing another Quest Three Girls movie. That's what they're doing. Jeez, they're they're cranking those out left and right. Oh yeah, it's like the third one or something. It's it's an interesting thing to have like you know slightly anthropomorphic ponies and then to actually then turn them into people like it's <laughs> the weirdest thing yeah. <laughs> we should always end it on my little that's all i'm saying yeah. I get a, i'm getting a feeling podcasting is magic <laughs> <laughs> this may be the first time during a star wars conversation i had nothing to add <laughs> well chris thank you so much for stopping by and before yeah. we let you go why don't you uh let everyone know where they can find you on social media and plug all your shows all right, so this is going to take a while. <laughs> I, I apologize. But, um, uh, so for Star Wars, um, 
Uh, I uh, work for StarWarsUnderworld.com, so uh, definitely that's the place I recommend to go for Star Wars news. And then uh, I'm a host on their podcast, the Star Wars Underworld podcast, which we put out weekly on uh, late Thursday nights, early Fridays is when it, it shows up on the feeds everywhere. But you can also listen to our recordings of it live and hear all the technical glitches and fun stuff um, <laughs> on Thursday nights. It's on um, at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, and we broadcast through um, a channel uh, called Channel 1138, which is um, a Star Wars-only um, internet radio station. So I definitely would recommend checking that out as well. You can tune in anytime and hear Star Wars music or Star Wars podcasts. A lot of them are live, including our own show, which again is on Thursdays. So that's really cool. And then in addition to that, I also am producing a uh, show um, here locally uh, where this podcast is is uh, recorded um, in uh, the L.A. Orange County area. Uh, it's on uh, KPFK 90.7 FM, and it's at midnight, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Uh, and it's called Geek Radio. Really simple name, Geek Radio, and it's just about geek stuff. And Patrick here has been helping out with the show. And if you listen to the last episode of Geek Radio, Patrick was on the whole thing, uh, helping us talk about um, Star Wars and Star Wars Celebration and stuff, which was really cool. Um, so I definitely recommend uh, checking that out. Uh, just search for Geek Radio or KPFK Geek Radio, and uh, you'll pretty quickly discover how to how to listen to the show. We're on like iTunes and Libsyn and like all the all the podcasty places. Uh, podcasts. And then finally, for me personally, um, if you're interested in following me and my exploits as I travel around and going to conventions and stuff, uh, my Twitter is at cterra five c t e r r a five. And my Instagram is my name, Chris Siegel, no spaces, no caps, uh, C-H-R-I-S-S-E-E-K-E-L-L. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I enjoyed being on. Well, that's going to do it for our first episode. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at RFMandalore, on Instagram at RadioFreeMandalore, or check out our website at RadioFreeMandalore.com. Just a reminder, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and their guest are theirs alone and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilms. With that being said, how dare you, Luke? She was your sister.